The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Welcome to Drive Through, episode number 21. This is our monthly recap where we put together a menu of PT Cruisers, HHRs, Dodge Darts, bags of mulch, and autonomous driving level 12. Now, let's pull up to window number one for some April Fools. What up, April Fools? <sighs> Can you believe it? April. We're already into April. We're already almost out of April. (laughs) That's true. This is airing on the last Tuesday of the month like it always does. But you know what's coming up next? It's not an April Fool's joke. It's one of the things that Tanya despises most in the world, her favorite vehicles. We're going to kick off our showcase of the drive-thru this month talking about... Pickup trucks. Pick them up trucks because America! Yeah! I don't despise them. It's a very strong accusation. She just would never own one because she doesn't understand the point. She might understand the point as we get through this conversation, though, because we're going to talk about some really cool stuff. I just don't have a need to drive to work in a gas-guzzling pickup truck. (laughs) You don't need to haul 1,500 pounds of mulch everywhere you go? All right, hold on a second. Not usually, no. (laughs) I'm going to say something. I was at our local Lowe's this weekend, and I kid you not, I did not go there for mulch, but the line to get in, you would have thought they were giving away free hamburgers and Frosties at Lowe's. There was 45 pickup trucks waiting to have mulch bags forklifted into their beds. I was like, what in the heck is going on? (laughs) Absolutely insane. But I get it. If you need to buy a pallet of mulch, what are you going to move it with? Oh, my God. I, those people need to talk to the people at Milo's because half of the parking lot is taken up by pallets of mulch. Right? It is a bit of a maze. Do not park over by the garden center at all. That, that is for sure. Now, <laughs> I mean, I could probably get half a pallet in my Jeep. It would take me some time to move the bags around. You can't just drop it in there. But I would also probably take my landscape trailer and drop a pallet on that. So I don't, I don't know. How much property do these people have that they need a pallet of mulch? A couple bags and I'm good. Why aren't you just having someone come dump a load of mulch, which tends to usually be cheaper than buying overpriced bags? That's the question of questions of all questions. And I think I'm going to start a mulching business because obviously there's revenue to be generated there. But I will say this, they didn't get my dollars buying mulch because I haven't bought mulch in like 20 years because I replaced all my mulch with gravel because you know what? It doesn't biodegrade. It lasts forever and it always looks the same. It's freaking amazing. Top tip, gravel. (laughs) I feel like we need a mulch economist to come on the show and kind of Tell us, you know, how the mulch business is going. Which podcast crossover is that with? Is that like <laughs> Better Homes and Gardens? Between two ferns. <laughs> where where the lilies bloom or something. Yeah, perfect. What was perfect. the one from Letterkenny? It's <laughs> crack an egg. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's crack an egg. egg. There you go. Uh, so why don't we Jimmy crack-, crack corn? Nobody cared. So why don't we crack an egg over the new Rattler? Is it new? I thought it looked we- like... <laughs> 
an F-150. <laughs> yeah, you mean the F-150 FX4? I'm looking at it. It looks like a bargain basement worker truck. I don't get this thing. I think that's the point. It's supposed to be a more entry-level truck with some of the higher-level features that a lot of people overspend for. Off-road equipment to the XL trim. Yes, like 18-inch wheels, aluminum, which are terrible for off-road. You don't want anything aluminum. You're going to destroy them. There are eight versions of the Ford F-150. This is a little bit of badge engineering is what you're saying. It's exactly what it is. Yes. Do you remember the original lightning where it had that kind of grill that looked, you could paint it any color you wanted because it really didn't go with the rest of the body. Like this reminds me of that. Like if you went two-tone on like that style of F-150 back then, it's reminiscent of that era with this plastic grill and everything that's got going on. I mean, looks wise, it looks like, as Tanya indicated, it looks like an F-150. It, I mean, it does come with some cool things. It comes with a, an electronic locking rear differential, hill descent control, shock absorbers, and tuned for off-road, which what does that mean? the hell that means. Maybe they're a little bit softer than the standard. There are also skid plates protecting the fuel tank, the transfer case, and front differential, and the Rattler is a- fitted with all-terrain tires. And you get a Rattler badge on the fenders and a Rattler graphic with a snakeskin look on the side of the bed. I mean, So so this reminds me of the Audi A4S sport line or the Mercedes AMG sport line or the Lexus ISF sport line. That's not actually the ISF or the AMG. Yeah, it's it's exactly as Eric said, badge engineering. I love the one comment, though, at the bottom from this guy whose handle is basically pinning Farina. And he says, I'm waiting for the Sidewinder package, which gives you four-wheel steering on a base truck and the Constrictor, which has smaller (laughs) cup holders. (laughs) Props to you, Pinning Farina. I'm I'm with you 100%. This is awesome. (laughs) But yeah, a bunch of badge engineering. And to be honest, it's not that off-roady either. It's just some plastic. It doesn't have like those Subaru-style Rubbermaid fenders or anything like that. It's got black wheels, a black grill, and like rubber bumpers. I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, it does have all-terrain tires, so it's more off-road capable because you can't just run down to tire rack and buy yourself a set of all-terrain tires, probably for cheaper than they put on this truck uh, or anything like that. But You can get it with the FX4 option. What's the delivery charge on that? Well, actually it says $1,000, so... Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, base price is what, 39 grand, I think it says for this thing, which for a pickup truck by today's standards, we all like grasp at our hearts going, oh my God. That's pretty cheap. It is pretty cheap, respective to today's current prices. You know? Yeah. And usually with pickup trucks, they throw about $5,000 on average and in incentives at you. So yeah. you could probably get this truck out the door for 37, 38, something like that. Well, let's talk about another pickup that is surrounded by body cladding and plastic that'll probably be the bullseye for a heat-seeking Tesla in the near future. Maybe a heat-seeking Cybertruck. Well, how about the new 2023 Chevy Silverado police truck with off-road pursuit mode? Wouldn't these just be park rangers i don't know that my, right my local, that's exactly what i was my, thinking my, my local frederick county sheriff is going to be hightailing it down in the, the woods after some pot growers i mean didn't we already do this on walker texas ranger didn't he drive a silverado i mean what is this 
fall guy with his blazer. I mean, come on. You, to your point, paint it that, you know, puke green that the, you know, Maryland State Preserve guys drive around into the park police. This isn't anything new for GM. They put some, you know, cherries and berries on top. Big deal. I think the park rangers, they're all still driving square bodies. They're the only people in the world they, that are driving. Every time you see a, a square body that's green, a hundred percent, it's a park ranger. Well, you know, this thing has the same motor as those square bodies. It's the same old 5.3 liter V8 they've been making for like a hundred years. They bumped it up to 355 horsepower. Ooh, strapped to a 10 speed automatic. I hate to say 355 horse out of 5.3 liters is pretty pathetic. When you think about like what a 2.0 turbo can do, granted this truck weighs like, you know, 7,500 pounds. Why would they put 20 inch wheels on a police vehicle? I I guarantee you your local law enforcement agency isn't going to want to spend $2,500 for tires. Look, it's got 16 inch front rotors, a rear locker and a two inch lift kit. All right. Come on now. That's worth at least 25 grand at destination charges. It, it, this is the the Chevrolet Puff Adder. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's cool. <sighs> okay, let's look at it this way. If this is a police interceptor, granted for off road, they don't need to speed package. I ju- I don't see this doing highway pursuit though. That's for sure. Not with Tesla's doing zero to sixty in sub three seconds. If Ford's had the F one fifty, one of the various F one fifty versions as a police whatever you want to call it, pursuit or responder or whatever down South. I mean, in Texas, a lot of the constables, um, you'd see them in murdered out black pickup trucks, which you weren't quite sure from the front if it was the SUV or the pickup truck till you kind of saw it down the side. But so wait, you had constables in Texas or did they have the big, tall, like Bobby hats and the billy clubs, like Keystone cops? Like, did you call them the constabulary? Call them the popo. <laughs> the popo. I know. <laughs> we need uh, to call Constable Walker. <laughs> speaking of which, did Walker have a first name? Can somebody answer that for us? Like that was his first name and, and his last, last name. name. It's like Wilson Wilson from Home Improvement, right? He's just Walker. Cordell. Oh, was it Cordell? Damn. It Cord- his name it was Cordell Walker. All right then. The mystery <laughs> solved. Constable Cordell Walker. The real question is, what did he drive? Probably a Ford. I thought it was a Chevy. No. Did he drive a Ram? Yes. He drove a Dodge? He's a Mopar man. Apparently a 1995 Dodge Ram 1500. Oh, yeah. But you know what? If Chuck Norris roundhouse kicked that Dodge Ram, it'd probably turn into our next pickup truck. Good one. Yes, indeed. He would roundhouse kick it into a cyber truck. <laughs> oh, oh my God. This picture with Elon Musk in the cowboy hat. Who the- what the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> this was the, the cyber rodeo. What okay. does that even mean? So because it's Texas and rodeo is a big deal every year. He's got the Gigafactory that's just opened and to commemorate the launch of the Gigafactory in Giga Texas, he held Cyber Rodeo. And it was a whole spectacle of sights and sounds and this, that, and, and the other. Uh, and they rolled out a allegedly hand-built prototype 
of the Cybertruck, which which prototype number is this? Because I thought we already saw like the prototype where he busted the glass that was unbreakable. But anyway, I guess some people that were there took some scrutinized photos and video and whatnot. And some of it's been released and people have just been like railing on them for the same old stuff, fit and finish. There's like zoomed in pictures you can find where the door panels are completely misaligned. You can totally tell body panels are different colors of gray or whatever paint. <laughs> different colors of stainless steel. It's different colors of stainless steel, whatever the hell this thing is made of. I don't even remember because I don't care. You know, well, in defense, it's a prototype, so it's not a finished product. Let's criticize it when it's finished. And people are like, they hand built it. They couldn't take two extra seconds for the like masking tape to, to align the doors correctly. Like people are going on about like it's held on with like backing tape and stuff like that. Typical things. Tesla needs to hire that guy who built the Lamborghini in his basement. Right. That guy had better fit and finish. Right. And he used Home Depot parts. He's already in. He's a master right there. Again, it was a fanfare event. Uh, I don't know how many thousands of people you could go buy tickets to see this. Yes, they unveiled, you know, this prototype. I thought one of the most interesting things was the side mirror that is now. Whoa, 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 whoa. What did you, did you just blaspheme? I just blasphemed. There is a side mirror. Liar. On the car. No way. Clearly, they're not winning probably that National Highway Transportation (laughs) battle to not have any mirrors. There's also a photo of the most gigantic windshield wiper plate. Like ever. So the lasers are still in, uh, in design development, I guess. I will say to fit the design of the Cybertruck being from Star Fox 64 or whatever, the <laughs> being exactly where it's from. I noticed that the those side mirrors are reminiscent of the old Volkswagen flag mirrors like you would find on like a Jetta or a Scirocco. I was like, what the hell are these? So these mirrors supposedly are designed to be removable. That way in the, in the future, when he wins the battle that you do not need side mirrors because you have cameras that relay that information to your dashboard, the owner can thusly remove said obtrusive. He doesn't understand the market. It needs to be like all Dodge Ram owners that leave their mirrors permanently extended <laughs> and don't own a trailer and never will. That's the feature that the Cybertruck needs to have. Make those suckers even bigger. <laughs> Or the people that go to the car wash and have their mirrors folded in for like three hours as they're traveling down the road. I've done that before on my Jeep because I have the retractable mirrors and then I'll back out of a parking spot because you're like tight in the city kind of deal. And I'm like, why the hell can't I see anything? And I'm like, oh shit, I'm staring at myself. Like, <laughs> That's enough to scare anybody. That's 100% true. That's why I don't have any mirrors in my house. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to see this thing. Well, Mm. the bigger news, Brad, is for your $100 deposit is it is allegedly coming, the Cybertruck, at some point, at some time. Happy, joy, joy. And you know what you get for that, Brad? An 11-foot windshield wiper and some side mirrors. (laughs) And I can haul all the mulch I want. Can you, Do I take it to Home Depot for service? (laughs) No, no tire rotation, just 12 bags of mulch in the truck. Dude, I can take my lawnmower and the truck to Home Depot for service. They'll rotate the tires, change the oil for me. Oh, there's no oil in the Cybertruck. That's right. So when you own one of those, do you get to put stickers? You know, like we put stickers on the race car, you know, that everyone's worth five horsepower. So on the Cybertruck, do you put like Cub Cadet, John Deere, sticker, and Toro on the side? <laughs> 
Waxman. Yeah. So that said, there are some changes coming to the market. We hear it all the time. You know, there's introductions of new petrol engines coming out, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But there's also regulatory changes coming thanks to the evolution. And there is now talk about a new mandate by 2026 for 49 miles to the gallon. So I'm kind of wondering how that's going to affect a lot of these trucks, especially the light duty vehicles that we're seeing pop up like the the Rattler and the Maverick and some of these other trucks that are out there. I mean, it's inevitable, right? I mean, they've always been talking about increasing every couple of years, trying to creep up the MPG, which is interesting how you're doing that by making the cars heavier with bigger motors, but we're going to also be more fuel efficient. I mean, I know there's lots of things with, you know, computers, electronics around the fuel injection and all that, and the newer automatic transmissions are, are more efficient or give you more efficiency and whatnot, but is that really enough to make up for our 9.10 million liter V1000? V16! Isn't this all offset by for every 707 horsepower Dodge Demon, they offset it with a 2016 Dodge Dart that averages 50 miles per gallon. Is that you know, how they're it, doing it, the math? It, isn't it the, the, it's for the entire fleet, it's an average of 49. So if you've got a car that does 10, you better have a car that does like 70 to offset it. And do electric cars play into this as well? I, I didn't see. I don't think it should because it, it shouldn't. I mean, I hope it doesn't. Yeah, EMPG versus MPG is like apples and chainsaws. It doesn't compute. It never will. It's just range factor, right? How far can you go per, what is it? 33.6 kilowatts, which equals one gallon of fuel. So that's the only comparison you can make. We talked about that in my boring math lecture a couple of months ago. So go back and visit that again. But to your point, if that's the fuzzy math that they're doing, they better have some three cylinder diesels on the other end of this equation, getting 80 miles to the gallon, because otherwise it's not going to work. Or Corolla GR Yaris's three-cylinder turbos, you know. That yeah, so it's it's for the entire vehicle fleet. It's the average. So if, if, if Ford's making a 500-horsepower Mustang, they've got a 95-horsepower Ford Focus somewhere out there that which, offsets it. Which, to their point then, they say sticker on any individual vehicle would probably be more in the 30s range. But we've been targeting 30 miles to the gallon for 30 years now. How can we not achieve this? Why is this well, such a big Because we keep making the cars heavier and the motors bigger. <laughs> yeah, and, and for the, the four years that Trump was in office, I believe he halted this too. He kind of scaled some of that back. It goes back to my point about efficiency, right? Everybody loves to beat me back when I say this, but 355 horsepower out of 5.3 liters is pathetic. I'm going to say it again. It's pathetic. Out of 5.3 liters, if you gave it to the Germans, they'd be making 900 horsepower because that's how they think. We have these lazy engines. They're big and they're gas guzzlers because they don't make any power. Everybody goes, amazing. 400 horsepower is nothing. It's a joke. But in their defense, they're also not as tightly wound. They're not as high strung, so they're more reliable. You theoretically should be able to get more miles out of them. I mean, yes, BMW can get 500 horsepower out of a a much smaller motor, but then that motor's blowing up, you know, for various reasons. 
they are so, overstressed. I will give you that. I will give, but there's got to be a compromise out there. Is it a supercharger? Is it a turbocharger? Is it a smaller motor? You know, what is the right answer? The answer is diesel. Just want to remind people the answer is diesel. But you know, whatever. That well, that's what Ford. That's what Ford's been doing the last well, the, couple of years when they brought out the turbo sixes and everything. I mean, they took the diesel formula. Yeah, but that, that turbo Ford. six is pathetic. I mean, let's be real. Three hundred and sixty-five horsepower or whatever, and four hundred plus pound-feet of torque, and then you slap a tune on it, and you've got a hundred more horsepower and one hundred and fifty more torque. And it's, it's pathetic. It like, still sounds like a Pontiac from the eighties, and it can't okay, get out well, of its own way. Do you want the sound, or do you want the fuel efficiency and the power and the durability? I mean, <laughs> put the car enthusiast to the side. All right, I'm going to take a page out of the Italian playbook for a minute, and we're going to talk Ferrari for just a second. They've been making high strung, high horsepower, small V8s forever. Strap a turbo to a three liter V8. I've got the sound. I've got the power. I've got everything I need. And they can be built reliable. Part of the problem with reliability is that we're building them out of garbage. I'm going to stop you right there. Built reliable. How many 150, 200,000 mile Ferraris are out there with those motors? Shh. Show, show, point, show me one. Just show me one. And how many million mile Toyota Tundras are there out there with these 4.6 liter, 5.7 liter motors? So they, they last forever because they're not doing anything. They're lazy. For, yes, exactly. I get which, you. Which, you know, I, I'm okay with a lazy motor that doesn't do anything that I can have basically the next generation drive after me. But again, going back to my point about the power numbers, 400 horse out of 5.7 liters, like your Tundra, what's the torque number? If the torque isn't double that, torque, by the way, is what you feel, right? It's how far you push the wall after you crash into it. That's the more important number. The horsepower numbers are relevant. That's why I look at it and go, these torque numbers suck. You're not going to make the torque out of a gas motor that you would out of a diesel. I've been saying for years now, we should be going diesel electric hybrid, run that diesel at a constant idle to provide power to the EV and just go to town. Where do we get that technology from? We get it from trains. I've been saying it forever, but we don't want to go there. But then you kill the baby seals with your noxious gases and and stuff. (laughs) Well, I, I, I guess you're right. I don't know what to say. Granted, I can't go to Lowe's and pick up mulch with my original Ford Ranger from, you know, 1978. You know, it's just not possible right now. (laughs) Because the Ford Ranger from 1978 doesn't run anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. But you know what does run are these next three trucks that we're going to talk about and a special guest truck in that list. Did you all take a look at this video? Yes. Jason Camisa, now with Haggerty, did a shootout between the Dodge Tyrannosaurus Rex, or the TRX, against the current Ford Raptor twin-turbo six-cylinder EcoBoost and the Rivian. I'm disappointed that the T-Rex doesn't have smaller front wheels. Right? It should. It should. <laughs> it should have smaller front wheels. Like, you put the wheels from the Demon on the front, that way, you know, they're yes, like nice a little tiny the skinnies, yeah. I was not surprised by the turnout of this video, but then I was shocked by the end of the video. So Tanya, do you want to fill us in on what happened here with your favorite pickup truck that you admittedly said on a previous drive through episode, you could consider at least test driving. (laughs) (laughs) I very much enjoy the styling of the Rivian. The Chevrolet? Is that what we're calling it now? Really? Why? Why do you say that? 
is it in a GM product or is it not a GM product? What is it? I think G- GM dumped a bunch of money into Rivian, but they're still a separate entity. But, they but just stole did... their design for the Silverado. GM was represented in this shootout by proxy on behalf of Rivian. So let's continue with how this went down. Ford has a 12% stake in Rivian. I don't think GM has any stake in Rivian. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Before we get into this, can I just say why, who is spending 80 plus, 90 plus thousand dollars for a pickup truck? That was shocking to see the price tag of the Rivian. I didn't really realize it was clocking in that high. I'm talking, well, I'm talking about all three. All three I'm, of them are 80 plus. Yeah. I mean, the Ford F-150 electric is going to be like a hundred grand or whatever, right? <laughs> who, I mean, the Cybertruck is going to be ridiculously expensive. They all are. How are, how can people afford this stuff? We're only going to be able to afford what we have today. That's what it's going to boil down to. I can't afford a $100,000 pickup truck. It's not going to happen. I mean, they're already $100,000 now after incentives and discounts and dealer surcharges and destination fees. I mean, I, I don't get it. Maybe that's why there's the 10-year loans. I mean, for me, the math doesn't work out. For others, if you can explain it to me, please, by all means, you know, let me know. But when you're in the $100,000 range, there's a lot of cars to pick from. Spend 80 grand on a used 911 GT3 and drive a $20,000 Nissan Sentra and probably still have money left over. <laughs> Not for any maintenance on the Porsche, but the point is at 100 grand, that's that's a lot. Like I said the other day regarding a different car, if I'm spending 100 or over 100 grand, it's going to be red and rhyme with Ferrari. <laughs> or, Bam- or, or Bambo. Bambo. <laughs> I, I'm at the end of the video. Was that a stock GMC Cyclone? It was a stock GMC Cyclone. You like that? My man, my man. And that was the designer creator of the GMC Cyclone, driving it, riding in it on the trailer. So spoiler alert, they do this shootout between the three trucks. And at the end, they rerun the shootout with the Rivian towing the Cyclone. And I thought that was freaking fantastic. (laughs) Which I would have wished they had done all three of them towing something. Yes, that would have been awesome too. I was very impressed with the Rivian's capabilities. I mean, the How Rivian smoked the uh, what the, the TRX. Oh yeah, uh, oh, and yeah, the yeah, other yeah. one that the Raptor was just like nowhere. It to be still found. beat the Raptor while it was towing. I mean, yes. not by a ton, but it was by a hood length, which is a no. Lot. Which is why I would be interested to see like the Ram towing. What is that comparison? Like how much stress was it to the batteries to tow versus would the Rivian have won that or would the Ram still have come out ahead? Is anybody really surprised that an all electric beats a gas motor and a drag race? This is just like the Tesla shootout. It's not really that different. What I am surprised by is that a 30 year old GMC Cyclone, is my math correct? A 30 year old GMC Cyclone waxed a Ford F-150 Raptor by almost a second. Now, granted, there's like a 4,000 pound weight difference between the two, but the power output of that old, you know, GM Turbo 6, it's not super fantastic by today's standards. The Cyclone didn't ask to be lighter. It was made lighter. Yeah. You know, maybe a Ford made the F-150 Velosa giant jumbo Raptor, whatever the hell, lighter, you know, or all cars in general were made lighter, they'd be a little faster. But we so, can't because they have to have 1900 airbags. The real race was them not towing another vehicle. It's how many pallets of mulch 
could they pull in a quarter mile and see who is the fastest? I mean, that's that's what we're doing here, right? We're, we're all in mulch. There would be a Top Gear special. Three pickup trucks going to Home Depot, loading up the max they can with mulch, getting to wherever destination, who can get there the fastest. <laughs> and how much gas did they burn doing it? You know, well, obviously the Rivian not. How many stops did it make on the way? But I will say we talked about the TRX on a previous episode about the laps that it did at the Nürburgring and, you know, cooking the brakes. And that was comical. And I, I very much enjoyed that. I would have liked to have seen them complete the lap at Willow Springs and see what the handling was like between the trucks, not just a straight line speed, because maybe the Raptor has an advantage being a little lighter than the TRX and a little bit more down low grunt coming out of the pocket instead of having to wait for the supercharger or stuff like that. See how far the Rivian would have gone, you know, do a nice 10 minute session. I mean, I'm not asking these cars to do a full half hour like we do on track, but that would have been a cool shootout as well. Not just straight line speed. I know we always focus on that quarter mile time, you know, the road isn't always straight. That test is irrelevant to me. Even, I mean, even the handling test, if they actually did a couple laps, at whatever track they were at. I mean, all that stuff is irrelevant for a pickup truck. I want to know how much it tows, how fuel efficient it is while towing, because my truck, I stop for fuel every 225 miles. Ask me how I know. So I will say so, this, the Rivian definitely earned some brownie points with me. As I was watching that, I said to myself, you know, I could see replacing my diesel Jeep with that but not at that price point. That's a lot of coin to swallow to basically have something that tows similarly to what I already have now. To your point, I can get 400 plus miles out of my Jeep when I'm towing the race car. So I don't have to stop as often. You know, what is that longevity of the EV tow truck look like, you know, when you're pulling a race car or, you know, happening to get a pallet of mulch at your local loads yet to be determined, right? But those are the real tests. That's the stuff that I think consumers are really waiting for. That we'll never get. Have you seen the newest from Audi? The newest S line badge thing that isn't an S that Brad was talking about? No, they're um, possibly bringing to production something called the Urban Sphere. The what, what, what? It is what looks to be a minivan, which would be a first for Audi. It's a 396 horsepower electric concept minivan. The good news is it's not going to be in the United States. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I don't know how I feel about it. On the one hand, I'm like, that's good because these things are, it's kind of weird looking. On the other hand whatever i mean i don't know why audi needs a minivan which is also something i struggle with like let volkswagen have minivans but that's a personal yes, the, the, the the politics and the dynamics here make no sense and then what happens is so volkswagen has the id buzz and now audi has whatever this q7 is because that's the first glance that's what i thought when i saw it then porsche goes well we need a minivan gosh and it, will, no. and it shall be turbo <laughs> It'll do the Nurburgring in seven and a half minutes. Oh my gosh. You know who's buying minivans? Nobody. When I take my kid to school every single morning, I see zero minivans. I see a crap ton of SUVs of various shapes and sizes. I have not seen in the last three, four months, I've not seen one minivan in that parking lot. Well, apparently there's not minivan drivers in the United States, but this is going to be marketed for China. That makes perfect sense. Which on the one hand, I will say this is smart 
for Audi to come up with a minivan because when I look at this also, it reminds me of something else. The shoe? iRobot? No, something the Chinese copied off another Volkswagen Audi product. Aren't the Chinese just going to copy this? It's going to be an Udi? Exactly. They have the punk cat aura or the aura punk cat or the yeah, aura yeah. ballet that cat where they copied the beetle. So I'm like, I feel like we're cutting to the chase here. Like, don't try to like make our Q7 into a minivan. We'll just give you the minivan. <laughs> here it is. I don't like it. I don't get it. No, thank you. Yeah. And, and to your point, I think they should finally separate the portfolio and say, look, Porsche is going to build the sports cars. Let's get rid of this Panamera. That's an A8. I hate to break it to you folks. It's an A8L underneath, you know, all that garbage, Cayenne, whatever. Volkswagen builds the vans and the trucks and whatever. And Audi builds the luxury sports sedans and Porsche builds the sports cars. End of story. Like I, I get that they're doing the reusable, recyclable platform and everybody can have their cake and eat it too. But we already saw this with Stellantis, where they finally separated the lines and said, Ram is making trucks. There's no Dodge pickups anymore. Dodge is doing this and Chrysler's doing that and Fiat's doing this other thing. And it just doesn't make sense to have all this proliferation just because somebody wants the badge on the front of the hood. Isn't that what got GM in trouble with yes. the, Buick, the Buick and the Oldsmobile and the Cadillac and the Chevrolet and the yes. Metro and all that? They were all the exact same vehicle. They were competing against themselves. But right? they didn't want to talk. They didn't talk to each other. And exactly. They were competing with themselves. And then they just Ford was running away with it with the F-150 because who the hell wants a GMC or a Silverado or whatever? Who knows the differences between them? There aren't any, by the way. I'm waiting for the Ford Anaconda, right? So it's all, or Python or whatever the next one is. It's all good. The Ford Cobra. Oh, there is a Ford. Well, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that does exist. But you know what doesn't exist? And has been teased for many, many years is the coming, the shadowing, the grand pedigree of racing. Audi and Porsche are in talks and coming and debuting their Formula One team. <sighs> I don't know if it's so much a team or they want to provide engines. Well, Volkswagen was supposed to provide the motors. So who is it now? But it probably gives more prestige to come from Audi. It's Porsche. the same BS they did with the 1.8 oh, Turbo. It's when they when when VW created the 1AT, then Audi suddenly said, "Well, we invented it." Like, get out of here! It's all the same motor. It's all the same stuff. That block has been around for 40 years. Get out of here! You know, Porsche was in Formula One back in the day. You know, they were an Indy car as well. I want to see them come back because I'm tired of Mercedes and Ferrari. I want to see some some mixes in there. I want to see them come back and do actually launch a factory team correct i don't want them to sell their crap to somebody else correct see them actually use it because then this ends up like formula atlantics or formula mazdas it's like cool all you know or like the indy cars all powered by this motor and everybody's got a different chassis i don't know i I don't like that but yes to your point i'd love to see a factory porsche team back in formula one you know kicking ass and taking names but you know whatever who knows stop teasing me it's been 30 years of teasing me and i'm done with it so our friends in the lower saxony Oh, the rest of the lower Saxony, if you will. We'll start with Mercedes. Just a couple nuggets here to share. So some headline news, you know, Mercedes Benz drives an electric car over 620 miles without stopping to charge and still had 87 miles of range left. Boring. Didn't Jeremy Clarkson, (laughs) didn't Jeremy Clarkson do this in like a diesel jack? Yeah, but didn't he drive around with it in neutral and the engine off most of the time? I mean, it's just wait, 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 whatever, whatever. You mean whatever. he got hooked to a tow truck and it towed him mm-hmm. <laughs> part of the way? 
No, so they've got their EQXX lineup, whatever. So they got this, it's basically a concept car. Um, It's called the Mission XX. I think it's the most air, like it's got the lowest drag coefficient of anything. So it beats out the Teslas and, and, and everyone else right now. So that's attributing to its efficiency, not to mention that apparently it's probably something like the size of a Miata because it's like a two-door roadster size. So it, it's small, it's lightweight, it's super aerodynamic. Who knows what they're doing with their battery technology, but they're alleging that they got over 600 miles, which is pretty huge. It looks like the McLaren speed tail. The long tail, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Mercedes has a lot of technical background and and technical expertise given all the things they do in Formula One and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, if they're stretching their legs here, I mean, I think that's pretty cool from a mechanic, scientific side of things. So I like it, and then I don't. Like, there's so many weird angles on this thing. There's so many things that I appreciate. I see where they drew inspiration from, you know, even going back to the days of the Silver Arrows and stuff like that. To your point about it being small, being two-door, you know, this and that, all of those things are huge negatives because you know why? It's not designed by somebody who drew three boxes and two big wheels like they were in kindergarten because that's all we buy nowadays, like we talked about in the first segment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one, like two people will buy this. Yeah, nobody's going to buy this. This is totally unusable. It's impractical. Granted, it's a study in science and engineering, but it's not applicable. It's not practical. So make me a Ford Raptor that can have a coefficient of drag of 0.17. Oh, Cybertruck. I've never seen a brick aerodynamic ever, even when you shave its corners. But <laughs> you know who's going to buy this thing if it actually does come out and they do sell it or whatever? The same people that bought the uh, the BMW i8. Those are gonna, who, who are going to buy that. Or the I... people that didn't buy the i8 because they're Mercedes fans and there was nothing available for them at the time, right? Ha- hashtag brand loyalty. Make this more AMG, SLS-y, yeah. with doors, keep it two-seater. I could give see to, that. Give it to Brabus. Take my money. From, it from can just fr- get 500 miles of of mpge if that's what it takes you know (laughs) from the front it is reminiscent of the old sl like that is true with that shape with that roof i could see goldwing doors being adapted to this pretty easily and it would be kind of sick the wheels are ugly and it it takes away from the car and i'm not a fan of the back end to brad's point it's like the the mclaren long tail or speed tail but yes this has potential they could do something with this you know what would really make it sell a 600 horsepower giant V8 in the front. That would ah! be Smash! I mean, if, if they've gone, you know, extreme, like what can I do? And what they can do is, you know, almost 700 miles or whatever. That's pretty cool. Because then if they've done something different with their battery technology or any other technology that's inside it, they can translate that to something else, right? And maybe now it's not 700 miles to the gallon, but it's, 450 consistent or 500 and people can swallow that right yeah yeah the seven, range exactly seven, does 70 play. degree ambient temperature sunny days with a you know the earth is flat surface yes. not in 40 degrees or hashtag ultimate driving machine that's something else um hashtag but no side mirrors if you're looking for a more traditional mercedes you don't like that mission xx their eqs lineup is expanding and they will be bringing if Something been, even less attractive to market. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have that Mission XX, but hey, 
this thing looks good from a three-quarter roof angle only. That is, Underneath that the is, crusher. That is the actual picture I'm looking at. You know what they're doing is they're they're beating Audi to the punch with the with the uh, the mini. Yeah, this, this one is just like the Audi. Like the Audi. Yeah. But yeah, this is their their SUV in their EQS lineup, which they hinted at, but it is actually finally happening and supposed to release, I believe, next year. So, you know, sorry, it's going to be releasing later this year. So if you're waiting for a Mercedes SUV, your wait's not much longer. 207 inches. This thing's a yacht. You might as well put a sail on it. Good Lord. It's huge. Maybe I should consider it then. Oh, yeah, but you can't see out that back window. I think I got more glass in my TT than this thing does. Good Lord. <laughs> Moving true, on. True. Now, speaking of the ultimate driving machine, which you just mentioned, BMW is unveiling its electric i7 with 300 miles of range. Who cares about any of that? What do you think about what it looks like? Because um, we know what all the i BMWs have looked like in the past. All right. All right. It's a right. really weird looking stretched Saab 9.5. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny you say that at first i i was thinking one of the you know kind of korean off-market you know genesis's that we are not going to get here or one of those geely like limousines but then i thought about it more and because i've said many times the new bmws look like owls and i, I can make star trek references to like cardassians and stuff this one in particular reminds me if you remember that flashback episode of picard on star trek where they tell the story of how you know he got punctured in the heart by the nausicans and that guy comes up and says human play dom john that's what this thing looks like dude it's I, straight I up nausicaan it's terrible I don't remember that part from Star Wars. When was that? When did that happen? Star Wars or Star Trek. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. Wait, wait, Battlestar Galactica? What? Oh, that C pillar looks just like the, the Saab 95. The most oh, recent terrible. Saab 95. This is terrible. The wheels are terrible. Like it. It's terrible. It's, it's ugly. Ugh. This double like stacked headlights thing is weird. They did. That reminds me of the Jeep Cherokee from like, what was it 2014 ish, where it had the triple, they, triple headlights? Because they did the light and they're like, oh, this isn't going to pass tech. So they had yep. to redo the lights. <laughs> but we left 12 feet of grill in the front. You know, I thought they were getting smaller. They were supposed to be, but apparently not on all the models. Not on this. In the back. Did you look at the back? Uh, oh, that's a bangle. That's a bangle back end. That is just terrible. Riddle me this, Batman. It's an EV, right? Yeah. Uh, well, well, rhetorically not. Yes. Yeah. Why is the hood 12 feet long? What engine are we putting in there? Why is there a grill? Right? I don't understand any of this design. I mean, granted, I don't want it to look like a porpoise like every other EV prototype out there, but I just don't get this. That's exactly what... Actually, it looks like a manatee. <laughs> oh, oh, God, BMW, please. This is like the early 2000s all over again. Well, you know what's not like the early 2000s is this rather striking new Ferrari that has debuted. They're calling it the 296 GTS. It is supposed to be still in the three series family, the three series being the 308, 328, you know, and then obviously they became the 488 and all that kind of stuff. Now they're going back to the old 200 numbers where it all started from with the Dino 246. I saw the pictures of the coupe last month and I wasn't hundred percent sold, but when I saw the Spider. I really, really like it. I think it looks much better as a convertible or as rather as a Targa than it does as a coupe. I mean, it's a Ferrari. It's gorgeous. 
it's blue too can you believe that yeah i don't know i like it oh, the front end does remind me of an nd miata though it does a little bit it does a little bit i will give you that i will give you is that. it smiling at me let me see does it smile maybe it's the blue color that's that's throwing me well the other ones the coupe was in like a burgundy which is also a not a weird color for a ferrari but not normal like we're all used to the ketchup and mustard but you know they're coming out with some new colors so i gotta give them props for that but i also gotta give them props for these power numbers right so this is a v6 turbo hybrid it is a 120 degree v6 and if you don't know why that's important just go google it and you'll understand the sound is going to be freaking awesome but the power numbers are staggering they're quoting 819 horsepower from this hybrid i mean that's absolutely bonkers the rear haunches actually look very similar to the Dino design. They definitely took some of the Dino design did. and put it into the rear of the car. Like it also that. looks a lot like the Bugatti Devo. I will say it took some, it looks like it has some inspiration from that, especially in blue. That's where my mind immediately went because blue, I usually associate with Bugatti almost right away. So it kind of has that feel to it as well. So you asked about the power numbers. I mean, they're obviously very impressive. This, I guess, is what you get when they spend billions of dollars in testing in F1, you know, and, you know, technology testing and all that research and development. And then it trickles down into the yep. road cars. This is exactly what you get. And we need more of this. Absolutely. And you know what else is fun? I don't know if anybody paid attention or not to some of the packages that the vehicle comes in, but just like the old days, like the early eighties, this is coming in a GTB package. It's coming in a GTS package. And then there's actually an Assetto Fiorano package as well, which is a commemorative edition. Fiorano is also one of the factory guys, but also was the test track is named after him as well. And so the GTB historically has been the lighter version. In the 308s, it was the carbureted version. And the GTS has got fuel injection and so on down the line. But it is going to weigh 150 to 200 pounds less but that doesn't really change the overall cost when this thing clocks in at nearly 325 grand. A little bit out of my price range, especially when the Rivian is already out of my price range, but it's going to be something fun to look at at the next Amelia Island concourse when somebody brings one out. Can I move my $100 deposit from the Cybertruck to one of these? <laughs> you think I can, I can do that exchange? You might get this before you get the Cybertruck, that's for sure. Even if you're I saving so. your pennies. Let's see, that which bank do I want to rob? <laughs> That said, Ferrari's doing all this development. They're bringing back the 120 degree V6, twin turbo, hybrid, all that kind of stuff. But on the other side of Stellantis, now they're talking about inline six cylinders. Why not inline 126 cylinders? <laughs> Why aren't they going bigger? Why are they going smaller? Or like the Packards with the inline eights, right? They were like a mile long. So quick question, are these actually Stellantis motors or did they contract with BMW as well? I'm wondering that three, myself. Three liter inline six twin turbo. I mean, that's got BMW written all over it. It does. And if you read the article, the author basically mentions in there that a lot of these specs and dimensions are very similar to the BMW inline six. So I'm wondering what's going on here. The other thing that doesn't make sense to me is, to Tanya's point, why would you want to put a longer engine in a vehicle than the compact Pentastar, which has been around forever. So why don't we work on the Pentastar and make it a more efficient engine? It's a 90 degree V6. I mean, I don't get it. Why not? I think we go the opposite route. We add two cylinders to the Pentastar and a supercharger and we just go full bore, just yeah. max. 
I believe make, that's called you the make two hundred fifty horsepower. Yes, the the Dodge Dart SRT Damien. <laughs> Damien. <laughs> well, this one's this one's being called the Hurricane. Uh, let's just hopefully this doesn't turn out like the movie Twister. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> well, good for Stellantis. They're saying that they're going to put this in Jeeps, Dodges, and Rams, and other brands. I mean, isn't that all they have now anyway? I mean, what else are they? How do they, how, do they make the hurricane more efficient with the tornado? <laughs> <laughs> the Velociraptor. No, the, uh, the old tornado like thing that the, you could install on your car for $75, mail-in order, 25% more fuel efficient. I think the guys at Mighty Car Mods have already myth-busted that one. It doesn't work. For a minute there, I thought you were going to talk about the Oldsmobile Toronado, which is just a bad pronunciation of the word tornado. So, you know, whatever. I'm sorry. We, we don't talk about Oldsmobile on this channel. There's a whole another podcast for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's an Oldsmobile owner's club that you can talk to. All three of them. Yes. So that being said, it's probably time that we slip into the DMs of domestic news brought to us by AmericanMuscle.com, our number one source for OEM and performance replacement parts for your Chevy, Mopar, or Ford product. So what do we got this month in domestic news? I hope you're not looking to buy a Ford Mustang Mach-E. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. A Ford Mach-E in the United States because they're all sold out. Is that because chips? I think it might be partially both. There's been such high demand from consumers, but at the same time, the shortages and this, that, and the other are making it that they can't keep up with that demand. So I think they've just said, we're done for 2022. Wait for 2023. There was like a hot second that I saw these everywhere. And then I realized I actually saw like the new the, key, the Kia or the Hyundai that has the same rear lights. So I don't think I've actually seen a Maki on the road. I've seen all these other Kia copies that from a distance you think it's a Maki because they're very similar in the back. So are they really selling? Like, is there somebody I, out there that has one? I've seen a couple. I've, I've, yeah, I've seen several Maki's, but not to go off on a tangent. You mentioned the Hyundai, a Hyundai. I've seen the Ionic, Ionic 5 or whatever, the Ionic 5. I swear, I, every other car I see on the road is an Ionique 5. You've actually seen one in person now? What did you think? I've seen, Dude, I've seen I, several. They're all over the roads around here. Wow. There's nothing all out those Mach-E, All those Mach-E customers traded in their Mach-E's for a... Well, what were you driving when you encountered it? Your truck or... The, the various vehicles, the truck or my wife's car. What did you car. think of it? Because... I drive what should be a comparably sized car. And I thought it was huge when I came up on it um, on the highway or something. It is huge. Like I thought in photo, it was going to be much smaller. Like, I mean, it's not like, you know, an SUV or anything like that, but it's just like slightly bigger. It's like a Corolla, like a Corolla hatchback is appropriately its size. And this thing is bigger or taller at least than like a Corolla hatchback. It, it reminded me of a mini countryman or a cheap renegade in size. That's actually not that big. Bigger my, than it looked in pictures. And my expectation of what I thought it was going to be based on photos was yeah. not that. So like I had that moment of like confusion. I will say they're very cool looking in person though. I like them. I don't hate them. I think they look pretty nice. You, you can't buy a 2022 Maki. Sorry. That's a shame. You know, I still want to. But you can buy a 2023. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Pre order one today. <laughs> Brilliant. Only It'll be released dollars. in 2024. <laughs> yes. 
it'll still come out before the Cybertruck. So you were talking about, let's say Stellantis might be copying or borrowing or contracting with BMW to get engines. We know that Toyota has partnered with BMW now in the past. Also talked in the past about GM partnering with Honda, and there's some additional news on that as well. GM and Honda are teaming up to build a $30,000 electric car. Oh, an electric car for the masses, which was promised to us by a different EV of manufacturer. Course, of course, is this $30,000 after the tax credit or before? It's $30,000 as early as 2027. So by that time, it'll be like $60,000. <laughs> and there will be no tax credit at that point. Yeah. Present value of money. <laughs> I mean, we've heard this before. I, I mean, I feel like this is this new $30,000 EV is in syndication. <laughs> it's, it's a rerun. Well, like we talked about last month, these cars are clocking in on average in the middle to high 40s. That's what it is. That's the entry price if you're going to buy an EV. Not I, even I just, just EVs, like new cars in general. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we found out last month or one of the previous months that they were like averaging in the mid 30s. That's average for a brand new vehicle. We pick up on something I just happened to see in this article that mentions Honda launching an electric SUV called the Prologue. Oh, like not the Prelude, the Prologue. But why would we make it an SUV with that name? Like that's actually kind of a cool name. They could have made like an electric Prelude or something called it the oh, Prologue. I know it's, it's some of our collaborators some of our Quailude. club members are salivating the, the sound of this news. No, no, you salivate over Integra. No, oh, you salivate salivate over the prelude. Oh, wait, that's one one club Pre- member. Prelude, prelude. I think one of our club members is the only person keeping preludes on the road. Yes, yeah, two of them. He's doing a great job. It's amazing. It's making one. He's got car. three actually. Oh, he's got third. Damn, it's got, that's a monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> do not pass go do not pass go do not collect 200 dollars. <laughs> well brad since you are our resident subject matter expert when it comes to all things corvette what have you got for us this month i have a 2024 corvette nomad suv that's right <laughs> folks you asked for it it's coming wait did you say chevy nomad i mean i know you love the chevy nomad yes the chevrolet corvette nomad <laughs> wait say that one more time Chevrolet Corvette Nomad. So is this like the Raptor Razorback Rattlesnake Velociraptor? What are we talking about here? Is this a special package? I'm hearing Z06, Z07, maybe Z09, you know, something special. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) From the photo, from the spy photo, I thought it was a Chevy Cobalt. (laughs) Is that HHR is back? I thought it was a Honda Civic hatchback. What the hell is this? Is this for it's real? A- it's April Fool's is what it oh, is. I got you. I got you. I was going to say, dude, I'm having a heart attack if Corvette's making an SUV. I know Ferrari's going that way, but Corvette, really? We'll just wait for it. The real joke will be on all of us in a couple of years when they do unveil the, the Chevrolet Cor- Corvette, Corvette okay. SUV. Can we call that one the Corvair? Didn't they already make a Corvette SUV? They called it the Trailblazer SS. No, the SSR was the Corvette. Oh, no, wait, that was a pickup truck. It was a pickup truck. It was a Corvette pickup truck, which goes in line with our showcase. Pickup trucks! Yeah! But it but it wasn't a Corvette pickup truck. I mean, it had it had a smaller motor. It wasn't until later that they brought it out with the larger motor. But you're um, right. But it the, had the that S- 5.3 liter. The SS Trailblazer was basically a vet in a truck body. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it had it shared nothing with the vet. 
not even the motor because the motor came from the GTO without any changes. So it's an LS2. I mean, granted, I owned one of those fantastic truck, track truck, 100% developed by a lot of the Corvette guys and was designed to be run on the track. That thing was awesome. But I don't see the SS Trailblazer returning and this Chevy Corvette Nomad thing better not happen. <laughs> Meanwhile, as I throw up in the back of my throat a little bit, we switch over to some JDM news. And you guys remember Mark Shank? He filled in for Brad a while ago. He's also been on our 90s What Should I Buy episode. And he's actually going to be on some subsequent episodes here later this year. Spoiler alert. He sent us a little gem about a neat little life hack for anybody that owns a Mazda. Built between the years 2014 and 2019, it sounds like, from the video. I think it's not so much a life hack as anti-theft device. Thousand percent. It does speak to cybersecurity a little bit in the sense that the more computers we add to cars, the more vulnerable they become. And when computers are vulnerable, they're exploitable. And this particular exploit, without getting too nerdy, basically folks in the Seattle area tuned into their local radio station on the FM HD channel of 94.9, and it basically bricked their infotainment, MFIs, and just about everything not related to the engine in those particular Mazdas on that wonderful Sunday afternoon as they were listening to NPR. But what also transpired is that because those cars are technically out of warranty, there are no claims that can be made other than maybe a class action lawsuit against Mazda, and you're out about 1500 bucks to replace that infotainment system in your Mazda. So stay away from channel 94.9 as it will freak out the system and <laughs> go from there. And by the way, this is not the first time that there have been, let's say subpar programming or bugs in the system where these digital channels have caused the computers and the cars to go crazy. Things like percent signs, which are often used in C language to you know, replace strings and numbers and things like that in the in the variable sequences uh yeah that'll cause the computers to freak out and whatnot so i thought this was this was interesting this definitely talked to the nerd side of me so if you're interested in diving into a little bit more on that it is in our show notes you can check it out there is a radio tower or some sort of telecommunications tower that i encounter on a particular stretch of my commute which freaks my car radio out (laughs) on an almost 20 year old car it's bizarre it does it and yes i have a cassette player yes i use a car cassette adapter and it freaks out the car cassette adapter in this like half mile stretch static and then another radio channel that wasn't the radio channel that i'm tuned to starts playing through overlapping with whatever music i'm playing from like my phone it's bizarre There's like this dead zone space. Is there a voice saying, help me, help me? No, 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 no. It's it's Giorgio Tsoukalos comes on and he's like ancient astronaut theorists. (laughs) It's aliens. You can tell me what's going on. I'd love to not know the nerdy details. Oh, Lord. But let's nerd out about Tanya's favorite car on the planet right now. The GR Corolla. Oh, yeah. So we got new information on the Corolla. We have confirmed some things from last month's drive through about this particular vehicle. What did we learn? It's going to be a three-cylinder, basically the same motor from the Yaris. Power numbers are understated. Yeah, lies. 
lies. Toyota has been lying to us, but in a good way for insurance purposes. Yeah. Eric likes to say it's fake power. I don't know how it's fake. Someone who owns three turbo cars says it's fake power, but you know, it's hundred percent fake power, dude. I'm telling yeah. you, it's not, there's no replacement for displacement, but that being said, my hair dryers work really well, but Toyota has been fibbing a little bit to be on the safe side and probably coincide with insurance regulations. That three cylinder turbo that comes in the, both the GRRS and the Corolla is reported 30 to 40 horsepower less than what it actually makes in dyno testing. How about that? So that means that little three-cylinder turbo is putting out close to 300 horsepower. That's awesome. Woo-hoo. What do you say, Tanya? It's time to upgrade. Oh, man. It'll be interesting when the article comes out that reveals the price point. Let's make some guesses, I think. I think we should take a guess. 45. I'm going to start at 45. That's my new answer for everything. 45001, Alex. Bob. $1. $1. need to check a stat first. So You're going to look up how much the Yaris costs? No, I wanted to know how much a Toyota Corolla hatchback costs. Because in terms of size, that is more accurate. Wait, are um, we interestingly, the ha- Corolla hatchback or... is going to weigh almost 200 pounds less than the GR version. Wasn't the GR coming with all-wheel drive with the Yaris test? Yes, it is. Yes, it does. It's also coming with like carbon fiber roof and other stuff too. It's also reinforced. It's got more welds. Yeah, and, that's uh, true. To offset the 400 bad. pounds they put in it, yeah. Yeah, so that's not too bad. So the Toyota Corolla hatchback, the 2022 MSRP is at 20915 what about the XR edition, I think, which is the top of the line Corolla right now? My guess is a new loaded Corolla is about 30. They don't list that as a new, but um, used, they're 26, 28. So there's a possibility this new GR Corolla could come in sub $40,000. Probably, I'd say maybe 32 to 35. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing closer to 40. It's going to beat the Golf R. I think that they're going to make a point to beat the Golf R and the Civic Type R. And then you got the dealer markup. So it's going to be a $40,000 car that you pay $150,000 for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of dealer markups, I also have some new exciting news on another car that, well, at least I know I'm salivating over. Do you want to take a guess on which one that is? The, uh, is it bringing the Dodge Dart back? Uh, No. The Aztec. Definitely not. Nope, I'm talking about the Z, the Proto, or what I like to call the 400Z. So I got some new news. I've been calling around some dealerships trying to figure out what the heck is going on with this car. I have been salivating over it for quite a long time. And the deciding factor, as Brad says, is I got to put my ass in the seat and figure out if it's really worth it at the end of the day. So after calling around a bunch of places, I did get some new information from some high volume dealers. And they're saying that the 400Z has been delayed and it should be available for us to go look at sometime in late July, early August at best. And that's when we're going to start test driving. That said, I also asked some other questions and I wanted to know, you know, truth or lies, what the prices are coming in at. And they're saying Nissan has told the dealerships the base price on the new 400Z is $45,000. All optioned out, which I don't know what kind of options a a pure sports car would have. They're talking mid fifties. And I'm like, damn, that's really reasonable. It's still a lot of money, but really reasonable for what you're getting. 
Is it when you could get a GR Corolla? Rear wheel drive. That's all I'm going to say. The purists depends, are going to go with that. Depends on what you're looking for. Three cylinders of fury. Twin turbo six cylinder, 400 horsepower. What was that horrible commercial with the, uh, oh gosh, that horrible, weird Mad Max commercial? Wasn't it for like a, some Nissan back in the day? Yeah, it was the other, the Nissan. Yeah, 300 well, or 300ZX. What was it? Something, the turbos. Yeah, the the, the uh, Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah. Well, how did that go? How'd that go? That was so and fitting. Then the turbos kick in. Yes. And the turbos <laughs> kick Terrible. In. That said, I think this car is going to be awesome. I'm hoping it's smaller than a 370Z. It kind of sits. I'm hoping it's a little longer than the 350 was. Sleek, low, like a 240, things like that. I really do want to see it in person. I asked about colors. I was told it's going to be introduced in the following colors. Black, silver, metallic red, teal, and that canary yellow that you've seen, you know, in all the press releases. I'm hoping for the signed Eugene Levy edition and then followed by some maybe some dots and colors. I asked if some of those classic 70s dots and colors were coming. And the, one of the dealerships said there's rumor that metallic gray, burgundy, and orange, which was a 240Z color, will also be available not day one, kind of second run of cars, but no mention of browns, Brad. So I, I'm very sorry to tell you that you cannot get a metallic brown Z at the moment. In addition to that, Nissan dealers are taking deposits on 400Zs, but they are not taking pre-orders. There are no guarantees right now. You cannot lock in a 400Z if you want to. So probably because they're still unsure when the Proto or the 400Z is going to get here, but I am stoked to go drive one. And I was visiting with our resident Z-man not long ago, and I literally said, hey, and I got three words out. He goes, when are we going to go drive it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he didn't care about any of the details. He's like, when are we going to go drive it? So I think there's a bunch of us here at GTM that are excited about this car and can't wait for it to hit the dealership lots. What are the horsepower numbers on it? 400. 400. Hondo. That's all right. My GR Corolla is going to have like 350 when it's all said and done. <laughs> <laughs> is that from Boltons from Advance Auto? or what, what No, that's here? just... You know, it'll say it's like 270 on the sticker, but really it'll be 350. (laughs) Well, I will say in direct competition to this, I did confirm what Brad said last month, which is that the Supra is coming with a manual, but only with a four-cylinder turbo. And that's enough about that. That is enough about that. (laughs) Because who wants a Supra with a four-cylinder? It's like, who cares? The same people that bought the Supra before, the NA. Oh, God. I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Nobody aspires to own a rental car. Is that true anymore? I mean, the Passat's gone. <laughs> <laughs> are they still, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of people that bought Impalas and uh, can you still freaking get those at the rental car? All right, car? Wait, wait, hold on a second. Yeah. You know, since you bring that turd up yet again, have I noticed a trend because every time we mention Impalas, I see them for like the next week. Everyone that I see has tinted windows all the way around including the windshield. And I wondered to myself, what the hell is going on with these Impalas with tinted windshields? And then I realized the owners are so embarrassed that they own an Impala, they have to tint the front windows too. Exactly. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) Everyone I see has blacked out steel wheels. 
all the hubcaps have fallen off. Even the brand new ones, like the 2020s or whatever, the, whatever the year the last one came out, that would have came from the factory with 18s. Nope, they all opted for the 16-inch steelies. Times are changing, so maybe we will start wishing to. If only I could own that rental car. <laughs> if you're into the electric scene, which actually this is a great way to maybe go test drive some electric cars if you're electric curious. We've already heard that Hertz is, has a purchase agreement with them, but they are expanding their EV lineup and they are going to be taking orders of Polestar's. So if you're curious about that little electric car, uh, they're taking 65000 over the next five years, I guess, you know, because a lot of the Tesla, Tesla ones are showing up at like the California Hertz at, at the different airports. I don't know how widespread this will become across the United States, but check out your local Hertz if you're interested in test driving a, an EV. Wait, was, was I supposed to be excited about that? Hey, this is the best we have right now. <laughs> when was the last time anybody rented a car? Well, before I guess Eric's the... renting a car next week. I mean, I'm Ubering. Oh, see, who who rents cars these days other than like 70-year-old grandparents? Well, me, before we couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> and what did she get? Impalas and Malibus. So, you know, hey, whatever. Uh, actually, I have gotten a freaking Malibu before. God. I can't remember what my last rental car Did was. Did you have that Jeep Renegade? I had a Jeep Renegade once in Hawaii. That was really cool, especially going up into some of the high mountains. It was kind of helpful for some of the different terrains. The Volkswagen, whatever the heck it is, Tiguan, the newer one a couple of years ago. I can't remember because there was one right before pandemic locked us all in. But see, you you also rent cars internationally. Yes. I do. So, so that's, that's, yes. that's different. Yeah. Domestic and international. Yeah, because you rented that Peugeot, what was it, a 4002 or whatever it was? Yeah, mm-hmm. you wrote an article about that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. At any rate, what I would love, and I would go rent it tomorrow, <laughs> if it was offered at Hertz. Oh, my God. The new DeLorean. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm oh, not getting oxygen. Oh, I'm dying. Oh, I've, seen, so, I've seen the left rear quarter panel. I'm having a heart attack. Exactly. So we're going to just get little snips and tidbits of this thing until August when apparently it's going to be more largely revealed at some Concord elegance um, in Long Pebble Beach, excuse me. But they've they've leaked a shot of just the left rear quarter panel of the back. I, mean, I am sweating. I am palpitating. Good night, nurse. I am spent. <laughs> you don't get to see much, but I want to see more. God damn. I mean, what you do see is incredible. It is the sexiest rear end I've seen in a long time. It does remind me of the Z though. And I'm, I'm hooked. So I'm telling you, this car is a close second. The problem is, like we said, it's going to be 175 grand, but I tell you what, if it wasn't, if it was even 90 grand, let's say like the Rivian, I might even half consider it and go, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to sell everything. And I'm going to have an electric DeLorean because if it looks as good as this left rear quarter panel and taillight would propose the rest of the vehicle looks like, I mean, it is going to be a stunner. What I don't want it to be is that I looked across the room and I saw the flowing hair and then they turned around and it's fucking Gargamel. And you're like, "Ah!" I don't. I just, I don't want to get, I don't want to get my hopes up too much that it's horrendous. I mean, considering the design house that's backing this. Yes. 
I should keep my expectations low, but I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to. Has Jujaro ever disappointed us? I don't think so. I don't think so either. And you know what? It's funny. We mentioned him quite a bit on the show and his laundry disc is really long. And I tend to spout out, you know, the Scirocco and the Mark one golf and then Lancha Delta and things like that. But there's other cars on that list. Things like the BMW M1, which looks awful a lot like the DeLorean, the Maserati Spider, and there's some other vehicles. I mean, his list of cars are just epically iconic. And I cannot see him putting out a turd. This car is going to be just the revelation of all time. Like, I I think we're going to look at the new DeLorean and go, it's right up there with the the third gen RX-7 and the Mark IV Supra and the Audi R8. It's going to be one of these designs that 30 years from now are going to go, do you remember when the new DeLorean came out? It's going to be freaking ballistic. I read this other article that along the lines of DeLorean that at first I thought was an April Fool's joke, but it didn't come out on April Fool's. And since this is the April Fool's episode, I'll go with it. What if DeLorean made a Group B rally car? And I'm like, okay, well, you've you've got my attention. You start talking about rally, I'm into it. Group B era, especially. And I'm also thinking to myself, okay, would that really work? So let me answer that question first for any of the people out there thinking, yeah, that's never going to happen. Most of us forget that the DeLorean is a rear mounted engine, very similar to a 911. We would all think it's a mid-engine like a Lotus Esprit, and it's not. How does that work for rally? It would work for rally because if you look at the Alpine Renaults, like the uh, the A110 and things like that, rear-mounted engine, just like a 911. So, okay, it's a possibility. It's probable. We'll go from there. But as I started to read the article, I was just like, the bottom paragraph itself just didn't float with me. This whole thing about John DeLorean sourcing turbos from legend industries and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And spoiler alert, we have an episode coming soon where we actually spoke to a DeLorean aficionado, a DeLorean owner, and he clued us in on a lot of things and did some myth busting and whatnot. In the article, it says, you know, by 1984, the company collapsed in a year. And the DeLoreans that were produced and sold in 1982 and 1983 were just leftovers that were never finished on the assembly line from the original 1981 run. So there's no way in hell that they were talking turbos and all this other kind of stuff for the DeLorean when they couldn't even get this car right to begin with, right? It went through so many iterations within a single year. There's, according to, you know, this expert, there were tons of changes in that, you know, 12 to 18 months that there's no way. So awesome pipe dream. I like the idea of a DeLorean rally car, but at that time period, would it have competed against the giants from Peugeot and from Audi and Lancia? No way. The rear wheel drive rally cars were out. So it would have been a backmarker, even if it made quadruple horsepower everybody else was making. Rant over. <laughs> I enjoyed seeing it in, in a little bit of livery. I did too. Much to whoever this, this person who took it upon themselves to, you know, graphically change, do some Photoshop artwork. But nonetheless, it was kind of cool to see it with the extra headlights, rally lights and everything. But the real question is, what does the new one look like as a rally car? <laughs> we'll have to wait till later this year for those uh, as you teasing. wait on bated breath, the edge of your seat. 
tease you now. How about this? To wrap up random new EVs and other concepts, we haven't been giving any attention to this little Netherlands startup. Wait, are these the guys that created the, the house that broke down that they had the trailer that had the wings like a bat and all that stuff that we talked about? You know, that's a really good question. I want to say no, but who knows? At any rate, we have uh, got our EVs, battery powered, this, that, and the other. We talked about hydrogen and other forms of motive other than gasoline and diesel. We haven't talked so much about solar. <laughs> Yeah, right. So you laugh, but this startup company designing what they call the Lightyear Solar Electric Vehicle, so SEV, the, I guess the, 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 it's called the Lightyear one. The company wait, wait, is Lightyear. Wait wait wait, 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 So we got Volkswagen with the ID bus, and then we got the Lightyear. We got the light year with the one. It's called the one. The buzz Com- light year. Get out of here. Company is the light year. They're promising a range of 450 miles on a single charge from their ultra efficient light year one. It only takes 30 years to charge. No. <laughs> no, apparently it doesn't. I don't know that it's necessarily ultra fast, but apparently it does. I think I thought I saw if you go to their website into their technology page, which is a lot of interesting things that they're doing, but I believe it recharges 70 kilometers a day just from its solar panels. Is it the size of a Greyhound? <laughs> it's, uh, it looks huge. I mean, to be effective with solar panels, like who is it Fisker that was toying with the solar roof Tesla's tease the solar roof yeah. every single college engineering department plays around with solar with solar technology. and it never seems there's a whole to work festival out. around it yeah well they've got the dutch on it so do not worry they will solve this problem yes, I have it'll, it will be made of balsa wood and have fake names from nordic myth I'm sure. I have no doubt. Oh, wait, that's building. Ikea. Never mind. They have 53 square feet of solar panel on the roof. I mean, that's the right. whole back thing is like, I don't know, the latest in solar technology, blah, 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 all this double curved arrays and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And they've got what? like independently controlled motors on each of the wheels. You know what looks just like this? That Mercedes yes. we talked about about yes. 10 minutes ago. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Weren't the Dutch the ones that were experimenting with solar roads and solar sidewalks and things like that as well? I don't, They're all about that solar. Energy. I don't remember. They might have been because there was also like, I think there are some other countries that were doing the roads that recharge when yeah. you drive on them and stuff. I don't know. It's cool. At any rate, at least from a technology, engineering, science Etc. Etc. It's pretty interesting. It's kind of exciting to see that what you can do. So whether or not this actually takes flight. <laughs> are, are, the solar, are the solar panels from Solar City? What? To infinity. Well, in engineering scientifically, very fascinating. Would love to, you know, see one, understand more. Practically speaking, I'd be worried how much. Does it cost so, if somebody it, like you're at your kid's baseball game and someone lobs a home run over the parking lot right onto the roof of your SUV? There are two places this will never be sold. North, eastern Russia and Alaska, where it is like dark six months out of the year. So not going to happen. There's target market. Not be sold. I'm sure the Netherlands target market right now is 
is anywhere in Russia. <laughs> Shouldn't they be doing wind power? Isn't that their thing? Like windmills? That like stick to that. <laughs> We're gonna see cars with propellers on the back of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess with that, it's time to move on to Brad's favorite section. Lost and found. <laughs> what have you found that should stay lost? We talk about it and we joke about it all the time. The Dodge Dart. Well, folks. Someone actually bought a brand new Dodge Dart in the first quarter of this year. Are you serious? Yes. Come on. How many more of these are sitting around? I think it's like a game these days. Dealers are just sitting on them waiting to like pop so they get a little article out there. But this car was discontinued in 2016, as we've said many times before. Month after month after month. First of all, what is crazier that a dealer had one to sell, or that someone actually walked into the dealership and said, I want to buy a Dodge Dart? Is it I that, know it hasn't been made for six years. Is it that competitively priced? I don't know. What was the dealer markup on it? Let's see. <laughs> I mean, it had to have been well priced to make someone go, I'll yes, I'll buy that car instead of this brand new one over here. It had a stick shift. That's why it sat on the lot because nobody knows how to drive a manual anymore. Let's be real. That's the real answer. Some brave soul is grinding second gear as we speak in their brand new leftover 2016 Dodge Dart. Why does it hurt to pick all these up? Because they don't make an electric dart. (laughs) Because nobody wants to be that miserable. (laughs) Impala or dart? So should these dealerships and manufacturers continue to sell 2016 Dodge Darts or should they manufacture or buy them back from the dealer, repurpose the semiconductors and chips to newer vehicles that they can sell for more. At this point, from an accounting perspective, they've had to write the loss down on that unsold inventory for six years. I mean, they might as well just give the damn thing away at this point because they've lost everything on it. I wonder how many of these cars are actually still floating around on dealer lots. I want, we need to start calling Dodge dealerships and finding out if they just call Brad. That's your mission for next month. Call all the Dodge dealerships in the DMV and go, do you have a Dodge Dart for sale? And see how many of them say yes. I only need to call one dealership and say, can you do a nationwide search on brand new Dodge Darts? <laughs> no, you got to write down the reactions. Out. You got to tell us how many people hang up on you, how many people laugh at you ask you if you're crazy and then ask them if they say yes ask them if it, it comes in a manual you know who i need to call i need to call chuck Laduck. <laughs> oh we'll leave that where it is that was a fun trip to the dealership but speaking of things that are sitting around i really enjoyed this article from the new york auto show where six racing inspired vehicles from the 80s and 90s were put on display i love seeing stuff like this I thought the mix was pretty cool, especially because some of the vehicles that were in this lineup were definitely not sold in the United States. I'm digging the Citroen BX4TC. As French cars go, and I'm not the biggest Citroen fan, as we all know, I really like the BX. I think it's cool. It looks like the back end of a Audi Sport Quattro and the front end of what was it, the Chrysler Conquistador or whatever the hell that car was, the, <laughs> the Conquest. <laughs> the Conquest TSI, yeah, which yes. was the Mitsubishi Sterion. Yes, you're right. It's a drunk Frenchman looked at a UR Quattro and said, yes, but we are French, we can do better. 
and this is what we got. But <laughs> it's not fantastic, but it is rather awesome in how weird it is. What do you think, Tanya? You love square cars like this. It's quirky. The headlights are what throw me. I do not like that the headlights are not even with the corner lights. That's a Citroen thing. You have to get over that. Oh, it just, it throws me because I'm like, and then the hood doesn't line with the end of the fender. And I'm like, those lines are killing me. But if I look down the side of the car, I love the flared out fenders on the front and the back. It looks like something out of Tron. If this car wasn't all white, let's say the grills were like a smoked or like a Mm -hmm. satin black, a set of like mesh BBS wheels from like time appropriate with a nice thick lip on them, maybe all yellow French headlights in the front, you know, some other accents. This thing would be sick. We wouldn't even be talking about like what it looks like. I think the problem is it's it's very much refrigerator white (laughs) and that draws you into the other aspects of it. The front end does look like it's made of... Legos, but that's very, very the, Citroen. The, 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 <laughs> yes. the, the fender flares are made from recycled dot matrix printers. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like this is built out of a fax machine. But you know what? If you gave me one of these, I would drive the shit out of it. Like I, I like this car a lot. I think it's cool. Yeah, I think it's cool. The other car that I really liked on this list, I mean, there's other cars on this. Oh, the Ford RS200. I mean, the Ford RS200, I hate to say is commonplace. The other car that's on this list for me is also French. And a lot of people probably don't know about MVS and the Venturis. The Mm. Venturis are freaking awesome. They were the Mm. French answer to like the Pantera and the Lotus Esprit. These things look like the Ferrari F40 Evolution, the GTP cars from the front. I mean, they're just fantastic. I would love to drive one of these. I'd love to just touch one of these. I think they're gorgeous. It's a noble before noble was correct. In my opinion, outside of Bugattis, which are French, this is the sexiest French car, in my opinion, like hands down, like this is the sports car of sports cars. And it goes like unrecognized a lot of times in the history of automobiles. Like the Venturis are really cool. They had different models and they had the 300, they had the Atlantic. This one is a bit racier as the 400 trophy edition with the big, you know, center lug wheels and, and all that. I, oh, it's just freaking awesome. Now, there is one car on this list. Did you guys notice? I actually drove one of these and I wrote an article about it. And that was the Renault R5 Turbo. Turbo Dose. That's right. This thing is a little pocket rocket. Wasn't that article also titled Don't Drive Your Heroes? Uh, That is very true. I enjoyed it and hated it all in the same three hour span that I spent with it. I love these cars. I love the idea of these cars. They're quirky as all get out, super awkward, but they're just full of life and personality. And they have period appropriate turbo lag, as I've said many times. But the thing that's impressive about what was a shit box that they turned into a, a hot hatch race car is from 1.4 liters it's like just this screaming little dragon and it just lights up the world and you feel like you can just attack every corner on every B road. It was a joy to drive and a misery at the same time because of just how awkward it is. And I don't know, I still love it, but I still hate it. (laughs) I'm happy for the experience. Shout out to Alan for letting me drive his and giving me the keys for several hours to really spend some time with one of my heroes Uh, as disappointing as that was. (laughs) 
that said, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Tesla. You have some Tesla things to talk about. I do. And if you remember our Patreon special a couple drive-thrus back, I ranted about city traffic and whatnot. And, you know, I got the opportunity to revisit the city yet again. And I started to notice a lot of Model Ys. I don't see them that often. And you know what? I started to look at them and look at them because they were everywhere. Just I was in Northern Virginia and I'm like, wow, I'm in the land of the Teslas, especially the Model Ys. For a half second, I was like, you know, they're not bad looking. They're really not bad looking. They're, they're, I, could, I could learn to live with this amphibious, you know, duckbill front end platypus thing because from the back, it looks better than the three. It's not as aggressive as the S, right? I saw a couple S's on the road in all black. They look like the Batmobile. Until my wife sent me this link from Instagram that I posted in our show notes. And when you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's because why? Tesla looks like he who shall not be named. Are we talking about Lord Voldemort? <laughs> and when you see that Instagrammer. <laughs> And when you see that wonderful service announcement, you can never unsee it again. And you realize, yes, all Teslas look like Lord Voldemort. And that pretty much sealed it for me. It's never going to happen. <laughs> if nothing else, that little Instagram quick uh, video is worth her, 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 the final moments of that video. Are amazing. A reenactment. It's fantastic. Yeah, so we talked about the cyber rodeo earlier besides you know the cyber truck this that and the other there was another unveiling about another little project going on with tesla and elon musk so we've and at first i thought this was like it's like oh it's more hyperloop stuff did we decide not to put a, a model three through the loop but more traditional looking little train car no no sort of similar but no this will go on the roads and it is being called the robo taxi and i think it is very much what that name implies it's an autonomous taxi johnny cab yes if you google <laughs> johnny cab and go to images for people who are not familiar with total recall starring schwarzenegger this thing does look like a johnny cab <laughs> God, all my nightmares are coming to be realized. This is horrendous. Now I get it. It has a place in cities like New York and LA and Chicago, et cetera. I can see it working. I mean, autonomous buses, you know, it, it makes sense. The Johnny Cab thing aside, which I didn't go to initially, I don't hate it. And it's funny because the rendering shows uh, lax terminal two on it, that that's what it's servicing, which, yeah, that makes total sense. Can we replace, if you're from the Virginia area, can we replace those nasty, weird bus things at Dulles Airport with like this? <laughs> those things are awesome. They are leftover props from Empire Strikes Back. They're the AT-ATs from the planet Auth. They're amazing. They're a staple at Dulles. They've been there forever. Gosh, yes, they have. And apparently they still run. So kudos to that engineering marvel. I, I like to see stuff like this because I think bustling cities, it makes sense to go electric for vehicles that are just shooting back and forth all day long or sitting there idling. We don't need to be polluting the environment for that. And you're never going too far away with cabs necessarily if you're inner city or to airports or things like that where it makes sense. You can go back and charge. You, you, you shouldn't have range anxiety. You know what else makes a lot of sense, especially if you're in the city? Uh, trains? Light rail, subway, monorail. Which is fine if you have new cities, but if you have an established city that doesn't have the space, the real estate for that, that's the problem. 
that becomes really expensive or you're demolishing infrastructure that's well, already there. What's more, what's more expensive, a dollar per mile on the Johnny cab or getting on the light rail, which you could go less than a dollar per mile, that's which if you, expensive. which if you consider the price of fare on the DC Metro, like that's a loaded statement, like less than a dollar per whatever the hell he said will cost less per mile than a bus ticket. Okay. Bus ticket. I don't honestly know how much a bus ticket <laughs> costs. Not to offend anybody that rides a bus. You know, just no, I just, I have not ever other than like mega bus, those big buses. And I can't remember how much that ticket costs. I haven't had the opportunity in the United States to really ride buses. I've done it in other countries and they're, they're not that expensive. They're like pennies. I don't know what this less than a cost per dollar is because if he pushes this in other countries, he's going to be need to be far less than a dollar per mile <laughs> to compete. My expectations are thoroughly lowered. Lowered expectations. Well, since we're still talking about Tesla, this next one was pretty cool, but it goes into that atrocity category, <laughs> if you will. You take a 1950 Jaguar Mark V and you power it by a Tesla. And I'm like, okay, well, we've done EV swaps before. Not a big deal. But the more I look at this, did they graft the body onto a Tesla? Not just swap out the drivetrain and retrofit into this Jag? Because it's got the Tesla wheels. It's low to the ground. It's different suspension, all this kind of stuff. So I'm proud of the tenacity that it takes to do a project like this, you know, the, the fortitude and then the money, but I don't know if I would have ruined a classic Jag like that. I think he made the Jag better. You're probably right. He made it run. Right. Jags that run Tesla powered. No, but so sticking with our EVs here. So obviously there's a lot of different companies out there that are piloting autonomous vehicles and doing a lot of beta testing, blah, blah, blah. So there's one particular company out in California in the San Francisco area whose self-driving car was pulled over by the Popo. It didn't Much hit to- it first? It didn't hit it first. <laughs> no, did not hit anything. Much to the police officer's surprise, when he got out of his vehicle and went to go to the driver's side door, he realized that there was nobody inside the car. And there's somebody like standing on a street corner who's like videotaping this whole thing. So then, you know, you kind of see him looking in or whatever and in he like goes to walk back to his cruiser. As he walks back to his cruiser, the autonomous vehicle takes off, <laughs> <laughs> takes off, crosses the intersection, and then actually pulls over, puts its hazard lights on and pulls over and stops and then does not take off again. And the police, like you see, like speed up behind and pull over again. Him and the accompanying officer get out and they're all like circling the vehicle. There might have been a number on the car. So they called the company that was running this autonomous vehicle. The autonomous vehicle did not get a citation. (laughs) I think that's pretty funny to see. uh, (laughs) Like, what did the autonomous, what did the programming say? Because the light was red and there was a car in front of it. The light turned green. The car in front took off. The autonomous car waited. The police officer approached. I'm wondering like if it realized there was a pedestrian there and wouldn't take off because it looked like the brake lights were like flashing a little bit, like it was pumping brakes. And then when it registered the police car or the police officer backed away, it was like, oh, I can go now because the light's green. (laughs) 
So then I don't know why it would have pulled over again. You know, this occurred to me, you know, we were talking earlier about the, the hack for the Mazdas and the software and things like that. If you guys remember in the middle of the night, one of the road conditions is you can have the traffic lights flashing where they'll flash yellow or red and things like that. And you're supposed to treat that either as a yield or as like a stop sign and then keep going because it's the middle of the night and there's barely any traffic there. I'm wondering if in the rules of the programming of these autonomous vehicles, that particular red flashing is in the subroutine and it thinks it might be in the middle of the night and it does like a stop sign thing. And when all is clear, it takes off. And this might be what's tripping the police cars might be tripping this subroutine in the logic system, right? And they need to differentiate to look for different colors. Well, this did happen at night, but there we go. I don't know why it happened. There wasn't really much explanation, but that's kind of pretty funny. Does anybody have control of the vehicle from afar, like a drone, to where they can take control of the vehicle if they need to at a certain point? Isn't that what the OnStar button's for? I would There's assume... Be somebody in the vehicle to push it. I would probably assume that they must have an over-the-air way of taking control yeah stopping it opening the doors because the doors are locked because he tried to like open the door and it wouldn't we've got those type of autonomous vehicles that are you know obviously it's it's tech for when we all get level 537 autonomous full self-driving capability in our teslas and we can read books and play games and roll the seat back and sleep and then there's a lot of companies that are also doing it to like Domino's wants to deliver your pizza with its little mini autonomous pod thing, right? Didn't Amazon try that with the drones delivering your packages? But how do you feel about GM is patenting autonomous tech to train new drivers without a human instructor? It couldn't be any worse than what's on the road today. Let's answer this with another question. How successful have you ever been doing computer-based training on your own? (laughs) 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 So if you can't figure out how to use Microsoft Word by yourself, you ain't going to figure out how to drive. Just because you play Microsoft Flight Simulator doesn't mean you can go fly a plane. Just because you played Mario Kart (laughs) doesn't qualify you to drive a car. This, I... This scares me. Like, I'm sorry. This is just like all the things we've talked about in high-performance driving, where they want to take the coaches out of the car and do high-performance education remotely. It's impossible. Why? Why, though? Like, And I don't think it makes sense, but I could get almost the rationale in that scenario where it's like, okay, you're minimizing when the oh shit moment happens in something very catastrophic, bodily injury, you're minimizing it by having one less person in the seat. But what is the data around how many people are getting into huge accidents or dying from their in-car student driving instruction? I want to know how the risk-reward system works in this autonomous driving instructor. Do you earn Mario coins, like, as you go along? Like, how do you know if you're doing a good job? Like, how do you get feedback from this? I mean, we talk about those systems for high-performance driving, like the Garmin, where it's supposed to coach you without a coach, like I was like I was just alluding to. I don't see this working with a 15-and-a-half-year-old, you know, with their learner's permit. What happens when that 15 and a half year old is like some super hacker and like brings his laptop in there, hooks into like. Oh, geez. 
computer system disables it and then it goes for a joyride for 10 hours. Uh, you know, I don't know. Well, they, they don't want to drive, so it doesn't matter anyway, right? But, but that's, a, that's a sore subject. We won't go there. It would probably be easier to teach people via TikTok versus autonomous. <laughs> You're right. Uh, that's true. Don't more even get effect- me started on that. Well, they're definitely not learning how to drive from movies like The Fast and the Furious. Really? I thought that was a really good source of accurate driving information. You know, I told you guys I was eventually going to watch Drives to Survive. Guess what? You didn't. April Fool's. Yeah, I didn't. What (laughs) I did watch is Fast 9. I finally got around to watching it. And, you know, we had debated for a while doing an an entire episode surrounding this movie, but I'm going to save you all 45 minutes of your life you're never going to get back because it's not even worth showcasing the movie as an episode i don't know if that bad i don't know if you two have seen it but i'm going to put it this way i haven't seen a fast and furious movie this bad since the fourth one where it was all cgi'd and they're flying out of that mountain in mexico and all the cars are like airborne it was ridiculous Even my wife was like, this is the stupidest movie I have seen in probably 10 years. And that encapsulates a lot of the older Fast and the Furious movies at this point. It's just so ridiculous. It doesn't even try to take itself seriously. It it completely jumped the shark. Cool cars, all that kind of stuff. The story is exactly like you see all the memes. Family, family, family. Every two seconds, it's family, my family. And you're like, oh my God, stop. The soul-crushing part is they explain away Tokyo Drift using Kurt Russell, who is, quote-unquote, Mr. Nobody, and saying that he somehow faked Han's death. It was all like this thing. It's it's such BS. And then they bring back Caleb Temple Buck from American Gothic, you know, the, the, star, the star of Tokyo Ooh, Drift. Really? He's like the redneck rocket scientist in this movie. Like, Brad will love this because he builds this rocket-powered Fiero which then they launch into space where Tyrese and Ludacris are like in this Fiero and they're using it as a missile to take out a satellite. And I mean, the whole thing is just absolutely, it is beyond belief, like how ridiculous it is. Did they have to pay Elon Musk royalties for the idea of launching a car into space? They must have. It was the same color as the Tesla that they launched into space. Did the Fiero um, come in that color? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a reddish burgundy color. Yeah, absolutely. It did. It's I feel like I only ever it saw him white. <laughs> from the blood around people it hit. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say this it is so bad, you have to watch it. It's but just yeah, the, horrendous. The atro- atrocious. Yeah, I, I saw it opening that week, whatever weekend it was first yeah. released uh, I, for home. I will say I am anxiously waiting for Fast 10 reality sets in and people will argue with me about this but the best in the franchise was five and six they are one movie split into two pieces they tell a complete story it was very much oceans 11 you know fast nine they're super spies and it's like next up you know gi joe and cobra are going to show up i i I thought this was it i thought this was it i thought the franchise is done Uh, oh you're funny Oh yeah, yeah right. Really get, get is this here. is this like how uh, everybody retires and then comes back two two days yeah, later? The, 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 this is like the Rolling Tom Brady Stones retired tw- two days later. He's back. The yeah, well, you Stones heard 34th retirement tour. <laughs> you heard there's an animated series like Fast and Furious Super Spy thing on yeah, one that's of the been kids on channels. Netflix oh, for yeah. like years. Oh, my yeah, God, it's yes. called Initial D, right? Which that kind of stuff 
makes sense as a cartoon. You yeah. can suspend all of my realities when they're cartoon characters. Yeah. No. 100%, like everything makes sense. When they do all this live action, which isn't how the Fast and the Furious franchise started. It's just gradually became more and more ridiculous with each passing movie. But a lot of these movies where, as we digress here, they're taking things that were never human and then making them live action just make no sense when you put actual human beings. Leave them as cartoons. The best part of that movie was Helen Mirren. Yes, she was awesome. I agree with that. She was amazing. We really liked that part. Jess absolutely enjoyed that part. Going back to what I said before, five and six, when they were doing that whole Italian job thing, you know, trying to go in that direction, I thought that was awesome. Five was the one in Brazil, right? Yeah. That was by far my favorite. That I actually really like Tokyo Drift too. This new one, it's just the love child of Fast and Furious 4 and Hobbs and Shaw, where Hobbs and Shaw was over the top too. It's just weird. And I will say they needed to stop with the whole Brian and, and paying homage. And then at the, as you know, spoiler alert, at the end of Fast 9, he shows up in the GTR, but you never see him get out of the car. I was like, guys, just stop. Just stop. It's done. We know, okay? Family. It's, Family, family, family. Oh my God, it's so terrible. What are they all like 197 now? Uh, it's it's pretty pathetic. That said, I'll watch the new Kingsman movie. They're like they'll all merge. It'll become one universe. That'll be Fast 10. It'll be Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe. The, 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 the Fast and Furious multiverse. <laughs> It'll be like the Matrix movie where you're not sure if it's John Wick or the Matrix. Like what the hell's going on with Keanu? Same thing with Vin Diesel. It'd just be Riddick. I mentioned earlier, you know, we had that Patreon special double episode from the other drive through where I ranted about city traffic. And, you know, we talked about some of the unbelievable things that you see on the road. This time, as I was spotting Model Ys going down 66 in Virginia, I noticed something else that absolutely left me gobsmacked. And I must have done 10 double takes because I could not believe what I was seeing. I don't know if this vehicle had autonomous driving level 12 or otherwise, but what I witnessed is incredible. You might think might be an April Fool's joke, but it is not. I kid you not. I bullshit you not. I looked over and I saw a man with Barbasol all over his face. Barbasol, by the way, is a brand of shaving cream. And he was straight razoring at 65 miles an hour going down 66. And I was like, you have got to be shitting me. Like, I have so many questions. I'm sure you guys do too. And I am unable to answer any of them. Can you imagine straight razoring going down the highway? The neck area. It's a little bit of a delicate, (laughs) delicate area that I would be a little cautious. Yeah, that's a that's a future Darwin Award winner. Well, yeah, uh, there's a don't understand all this uh, blood everywhere. <laughs> you know, and where do you wash the blade? Where's your basin of hot water and your aftershave and your rolled up hot towel? You know, all these things and things that you might need as you're shaving. Like, oh, and what, where it, where it, are you flicking the shaving cream? Because once the, you've done a, a pass, you're you're you're, you're flicking it onto the sun visor. Is where you're <laughs> flicking it. <laughs> the after the aftershave and the towel and all that is built into the uh, the airbag. So when he, when he makes it, it comes out and it cleans them up. Holy crap! You know, just skip the straight razor and use the Takata airbag. Hundred <laughs> percent. In all seriousness, 
after a while, I felt really awkward because I kept looking at this guy and I kept trying to match his speed. And I'm like, this is unreal. At one point, I did drop back to make sure that his license plate wasn't from Florida, because if it was, I think I could have believed it a little bit more. Oh my gosh. Only in Virginia. There's all kinds everywhere, unfortunately, or fortunately. But speaking of Florida, man, we're actually going to start with Michigan, man. Oh, no. This one's all right. The Michigan man's arrested after stolen school bus chase. (laughs) And and immediately you're going like, really? There was a chase involving a school bus? Were there kids in the bus? No, this happened at 8.20 p.m. at night. Bus was in, you know, a lot behind a locked fence, which he busted through with the bus. How did he get to the bus first? Those are details, you know, he probably climbed the fence. I don't know. He took a bus to the he bus. He took a bus to the bus. He was just walking down the road, having <laughs> to see a school bus, you know. <laughs> hey, I think I might want to go for a spin. The best part of this is... Wheels on the bus go... <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to do it. The best part is, to quote, police said they tried to stop the bus, but it quickly took off. What kind of bus was this? It was that drag bus. Have you seen that thing where it stands up on its ass and shoots flames? It's the drag bus. The Tesla bus. It must have been because how you had trouble keeping up with this. I don't even. Okay. Unfortunately, he did like crash into somebody. (laughs) Um, luckily they only had some minor injuries from that, but only, only in Michigan. The the one in the laws he broke was malicious destruction of property greater than $999, (laughs) but less than $20,000. That was for that fence. (laughs) At today's prices, it's, uh, I mean, what what the hell did they pull him over for? They couldn't have gotten him for speeding because I've never pulled him over for stealing a bus. How did they know it was stolen? I mean, I've never seen a bus. Because it's nine o'clock at night and the bus was jacked. Because there was a chain link fence dragging (laughs) underneath the bus. But let's go south to our Floridian friends. So don't do this kind of stuff, people. Oh my gosh, what dumb people. Florida man drove 112 miles an hour on shoulder to impress girlfriend. Isn't that legal now? I thought they changed the laws on that. The real question is, what was he driving 112 miles an hour? Not a bus. Sadly. It's Florida, Brevard County. My guess is a Pontiac Sunfire. Can can a Pontiac Sunfire hit 112 miles an hour? (laughs) Downhill with the wind. Not even with a Tesla. Florida's flat. Florida's flat. And the cop had to accelerate to 125 miles an hour to catch him. Actually, it was probably a Chevy Lumina. Oh, oh, a Lumina. That's that's a pull. I haven't seen one of those forever. This was on Interstate 95. Also, this is a big highway road. Please don't do this, people. Looking at the driver, it was definitely a Crown Vic. <laughs> Now that could get to 112 miles an hour. It's got to be like a 2005 Dodge Charger, you know, something like that. That nobody. The other, the other great thing is he told the cops that he was showing off to his girlfriend, who apparently was allegedly following in a separate vehicle. So was she also doing 112 miles an hour down the shoulder to quote follow him? 
so allegedly in a separate vehicle and she's allegedly a real person that's true the alleged girlfriend <laughs> it's a sweater on the back of a chair he was talking about uh, siri and his cell phone there's, there's a light month for florida they're just coming out of winter in florida that's you know, true yeah they're hibernation that's true and i think that's the case for dill pickle here <laughs> what <laughs> Yes, he's affectionately known by the cops. The deputies nicknamed him Dill Pickle. It's like Chocolate Duck. <laughs> so hey, if you Ch- haven't watched... Chocolate Duck is a real person. He sold me that. <laughs> so if you haven't seen the short little video from the Marion County Sheriff's Office dash cam of this, you should probably check it out. Because Dill Pickle <laughs> led these guys... <laughs> Dill Pickle led these guys on a chase through some really narrow forest, wood area. It's called Rally. It's called called Rally. Do you notice what I noticed, what he's driving? Because he's, quote, rallying these narrow roads. You can't see the pickup truck he's driving, but the pickup truck has a full tow bed on the back. Like, he's towing... No, he's he's towing a trailer. He's oh towing a trailer, oh. evading the police, chasing so it, through the woods. My oh guess crap. is it's an F two fifty diesel from like the nineties, and it's definitely a landscape trailer. I mean, they he wins. He wins salad. the day on that. I mean, props to trying to do a, a, a chase through the woods with a, a truck and trailer. Oh, he saw the he saw the video of the Rivian drag race, and he said, "Hold my beer." <laughs> <laughs> Dill Pickle. (laughs) Unfortunately, Dill Pickle crashed into a tree and was apprehended by those deputies. I think we have the tagline for this episode now. Pickle Rick. Well, folks, I guess it's time we go behind the pit wall for some motorsports news. What's hot this month in the world of motorsport there, Brad? F1 started not too long ago, and Mercedes is middle of the pack. Ferrari is leading. Woo! It's about time. Yep, yep. Red Bull had yet another car failure. Yep, yep. Red Bull is proving to be as reliable. What radio station? What radio station were they tuned to? 94.9 NPR (laughs) Sweaty Balls. I believe there's a race this weekend. I think there's a race every weekend. It's uh, Emilia Romagna. Yeah, they're in. uh, They're in Italy. Are they in Mugello? No. Autodromo Enzo Dino Ferrario. Spaghetti-o. It's the Emilia Romagna. They're in Emola. Former home of the San Marino Grand Prix. <laughs> anyway, there's Dill Pickle this weekend. Uh, there's an <laughs> F- F1 race this weekend. We got Bill Pickle, Dick Trickle, and Cole Trickle. <laughs> Ricky Bobby! Ricky Bobby! <laughs> so other than that, it's been pretty light in motorsports news. There was an announcement this year that at the upcoming joint IndyCar IMSA weekend at Detroit, because, you know, when they close down the streets, they want to run as many races as they possibly can. So they're offering free entry on Friday, June the 3rd for the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. So if you're interested in getting in on that, check the show notes for this episode, and it'll take you to where you can learn more about how you can get those free tickets for Friday, June the 3rd at the IndyCar and IMSA Detroit Grand Prix. For the upcoming local news and events brought to us by CollectorCarGuide.net, the ultimate reference for car enthusiasts, 
we have the 34th annual Apple Blossom Festival and Car Show coming up on May 1st at the Frederick County Fairgrounds in Maryland. The 13th annual Vagabonds Car and Truck Show in East Petersburg Park in Pennsylvania on May 7th. May 14th, the Audi Club Potomac Chesapeake Chapter is holding their annual spring fun run starting in Mitchellville, Maryland. Lots of back road driving, uh, ending up with a nice scenic lunch. The Spring Mills FFA Car, Truck, and Tractor Show will be held on May 21st in Martinsville, West Virginia. There will be a Street Survivors Memorial Day show on May 29th at the Glen Burnie Maryland Elks Lodge. And tons more events like this and all their details are available over at CollectorCarGuide.net. It's time for the HBDJunkie.com trackside report. So what's coming up in May in our general area? Well, I got some news the other day from New Jersey Motorsports Park that they are starting up again their outdoor karting league at the Tempest, which is their karting track on campus alongside of Lightning and Thunderbolt. Those did kick off in March and they run about every five weeks on Wednesday evenings with a couple week break in between. And they're running those leagues throughout the season. And you can learn more at njmp.com forward slash rental dash cart dash league if you want to get in on that. And so we're looking forward to actually running the Tempest later this year at our summer bash annual celebration along with the folks over at EMRA. So if you're interested in learning more about that, our details for our Summer Bash 8 is going to be up on our website soon. So look forward to that. I also got a recent press release from the Audi Club, especially the Northeast region. They were a little late to the game releasing their schedule for this year, and they finally published it, and they have a bunch of events coming up starting in May. They're going to be at Lime Rock a whole bunch of this year. They're also going to be at Palmer in July. They're going to be at the IMSA Series event, which is where they run the GTLM and GTE cars. None of the prototypes usually show up at Lime Rock because it's so short. They'll be there on site, you know, Audi corrals and all that kind of stuff on Friday, July the 16th. They've got some other summer drives. They'll be at Watkins Glen in August. They're doing another event at Thunderbolt in New Jersey, also in October. And they also added pit race to their schedule in June. And then last but not least, a sudden add-on adding an advanced only solo day, Saturday, August the 27th at Lime Rock Park. So lots of stuff going on in the Northeast region, especially with the Audi Club. I mean, this is probably the biggest track schedule they've had in quite a long time. So if you're looking to hook up with a new group, try something new and go to some of these iconic tracks like Lime Rock, like Palmer, Pit Race, Watkins Glen, et cetera, check out the Audi Club. So you go to audiclub.org and then jump from there into all the different schedules and all the different regions around the country. On top of that, there's been yet another addition to the Hooked on Driving Northeast calendar for 2022. They've added yet another Watkins Glen date. They will be at Watkins Glen from April 29th through May 1. Yes, that's right. Another three days at Watkins Glen here in late April, early May. And as we mentioned last month, as a reminder, they have added another VIR full course date for July the 22nd through 24th. And that is also another three-day weekend to the HOD calendar. So good to see that more track dates are opening up. So keep an eye out for that. And if you want to learn more about all of the available track days around the country, be sure to check out hbdjunkie.com. In case you missed out, check out the other podcast episodes that aired in April.
We are excited to announce our working relationship with SRO Motorsports GT America Series, powered by AWS and CrowdStrike. We got to interview President of SRO America, Greg Gill, and talk about the future of GT3, GT4, and touring car racing, along with some healthy debate over balance of performance and much more. We talked with veteran SCCA autocrossers Tom Hill and Todd Lilly about their experiences racing two very different cars, a Turbo Miata and a modified 66 GTO. And we tried to figure out who makes the hot dogs and who tells the lies in a full-length Pit Stop Minnesota available on our Patreon. We got the history and details on the amusement park of motorsports, better known to many of us as Hyperfest, when we chatted with Hyperfest founder Chris Cobetto from the National Autosport Association. Thank you to everyone that came on the show this month, and we look forward to more SRO-sponsored BreakFix episodes later this season. And don't forget, if you're tuning in for the first time, you've got only 112 episodes to catch up on. So we have some new Patreons for the month of April. Big shout outs to our new Patreon supporters, Bob and Jen Reith from the great state of Texas for becoming GTM supporters through Patreon. We salute you. And by the way, your medium sized swag is on its way. And remember, for everything that we talked about on this episode and more, be sure to check out the follow-on article and the show notes available at gtmotorsports.org. And a couple other shout outs. We have some anniversaries. Todd Lilly, as we referenced earlier from the autocross episode, that he was this year's GTM award recipient and celebrating one year with GTM along with Graham Clemson and his low cost Super 7. We look forward to seeing them both trackside this year. That's and right. a special thanks to guest hosts, no one. <laughs> That's right, Brad. But if you are interested in subbing in for Brad or Tanya on a subsequent drive-through episode, you're more than welcome to throw your name in the hat. Let us know. We'd love to have you on the panel to come and debate the month's news and give us your comic input or comic relief or whatever it might be. And they're always a good time. They're always a lot of fun. And we appreciate past guest hosts that we've had on the drive-thru. And we look forward to seeing them again later this year. So if you're interested in that, be sure to reach out to us at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. Any other shout outs we got there, Brad? Um, uh, you know, Tanya, thanks. Oh, geez. Not her again. <laughs> <laughs> and to all the members who support GTM without you, None of this would be possible. And now we're going to gear up for the second half of the episode, right? What the F are you talking about? Hashtag April Fools. I so hate April Fools. The older I get, the more I despise it. Because I look online and I see, oh my God, that's kind of weird, but it could be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, look at this. And why the hell is that person doing that? And it's like, check the date, check the date, check the date, loser. I mean, next thing you know, you're sending a thousand bucks to a Nigerian prince. You know, that's how it all starts. Or a hundred dollars to Elon Musk. That's your bad decision. You got to look at that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a wrap. Well, here we are in the drive-thru line. Me and her. In front of us, cars in back of us, all just waiting to order. There's some idiot in a Volvo with his bright sun behind me. I lean out the window and scream, Hey, what you trying to do? Blind me. My wife says maybe we should call. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770.
or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, gummy bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible. 